How do you save the most lives? It's a deceptively simple question. Welcome to the final show of season three of the ACO show. Today, Josh is joined by three different guests. Dr. Farzad Mostashari, Allidaid CEO, Dr. Keisha Davis, Allidaid's Vice President of Health Equity, and Dr. Keith Winfrey, the Chief Medical Officer at Noella Community Health in New Orleans. Allidaid has made controlling hypertension a priority, and you'll hear about why, including how lowering blood pressure may be the single best way to save lives in the healthcare system. The disparity of hypertension in Black Americans compared to any other racial or ethnic group and what Allidaid is doing about it. This is the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, a medical director at Allidaid, and I have the pleasure today to be joined by Allidaid CEO, Dr. Farzad Mostashari. Hi, Farzad. Hey, Josh. We're going to talk about blood pressure today. Of all the things Allidaid could do, we're giving a lot of TLC to blood pressure. Can you talk me through your thinking about why that is? Yeah. So this has been something of an obsession <laughs> for me dating back to my time, the 10 years I spent at the New York City Department of Health, where in, a, in the public health agency, we had during that period incredible clarity around what's the question. And the question we were focused on was, how do we save the most lives? How do you save the most lives? And it's a deceptively simple question. And it, it was shocking to us that the, it didn't seem to be the North Star that guides decision-making at either public health agencies or, or, or healthcare providers. From a public health agency point of view, the answer to that question was smoking. And so we dedicated, you know, there's so much going on for a, you know, billion, billions of dollar agency with thousands of employees. And that includes, you know, uh, school nurses and dog catchers and outbreaks and all the TB and STD and everything else going on. But Tom Frieden spent more than 50% of his time focused on smoking. Uh, and made that the a, a priority for the agency because it was clear that that was what would save the most lives. But when it came to healthcare, when you asked that same question, how can healthcare save the most lives? Of all the hundreds of quality measures and USPSTF, you know, A, B interventions, what would make the biggest difference? And at that time, this was in the mid 2000s, there was no paper. No analysis that answered that question. And so we did it ourselves. And I think maybe in the show notes, you could, you could attach a link to that paper. What we found was that if you take um, America's healthcare uh, performance on, on those evidence-based clinical measures, and you take them from where they are today to where the best institutions, and that was often the VA or Kaiser was what we could find, to where the, how the best institutions uh, perform, what is the delta in terms of the number of lives potentially saved? And uh, the answer was overwhelmingly things that affect cardiovascular disease and in particular hypertension. Hypertension control, like by, by an order of magnitude, more than, you know, other good things to do, colonoscopies and mammograms and screenings, like those are... <laughs> you know, immunizations even, right? Like those are all good things to do, don't get me wrong. But the amount of attention that we dedicate to hypertension control is nowhere near, nowhere near the importance that it potentially has in terms of simply answering that question, how do we save the most lives? The, the other piece of evidence that has become much more top of mind for us since those you know, 15 years ago 
is also its impact on health equity, where if you ask the question, what accounts for the greatest disparity in deaths among racial minorities, it's hypertension control. And here's the thing, we don't need to discover new mRNA vaccines, we don't need new basic science, we don't need like, we don't need like incredible amounts of money, right? Like the, the treatment, effective treatments for hypertension, you know, date back to hydrochlorothiazide for goodness sake. We just need to elevate through the, the, the importance of hypertension control compared to everything else. If we spend 10 times as much worrying about hypertension control as we do about all this other quality stuff, then we would be well on our way. So that paper is not that recent. And I know scientific knowledge dissemination takes some time, but you're saying we know what to do. So why has more not been done? Is it a matter of incentives that still the system is set up to do extremely well off treating strokes and heart attacks? Uh, and until now, the alignment was not there for the business angle on preventing those things? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, look, it's, it's easy to misdiagnose. The, the, the problem and the solution to it. And I did that for you know 15 years of my career. I thought it was an information problem first, right? I thought, oh, the, the reason why we don't control blood pressure is because we can't, just like blood pressure itself, high blood pressure, it's invisible. It's the invisible killer, right? You don't know what your blood pressure control levels are in the average primary care practice. So of course, you're not going to focus on it. And you know we measure things to tell us what to focus on and what's important. So we spent all this all this time and effort, like literally, I was in the first, you know, meaningful use of health IT policy meeting that I was co-chairing. We said our goal for meaningful use was going to be to improve blood pressure control. And, you know, 10 years later, we have, you know, near universal adoption of electronic health records with certification to ensure that they collect blood pressure in a systematic way and medications and diagnoses and have decision support and registry functions. And they check all those gosh darn boxes and hypertension control in America has not budged one bit in the past 10 years. If anything, it has gone down. So we have the infrastructure, the data infrastructure now that we didn't before, but pay for performance and MIPS and all of the, you know, the other kind of quality industrial complex has not been the way to incentivize movement on blood pressure control in part because the industry churns out more and more and more measures. You've recently, Josh, created a compendium of all the quality measures that that, that Allidade practices have to track. How many how many different rows on that worksheet, Josh? Eighty-eight different measures. It's bonkers. Eighty-eight measures, right? And you know, so so yeah. If if you if you get distracted by that that swarm, you're not going to focus on the thing that matters most. And so, how do you focus attention? I think financial incentives are part of it. But I don't want to. I don't want to say that. I think there's also so much of what happens in medicine gets done because of the ethos and people wanting to do the right thing. And it's not just a coin-operated world where you know people only do things because they're they're paid to do it. And so I think we need to. You know, it's it, it's the our, the Allardyce's favorite book on behavior change is Switch. Right. We need to appeal to to the, the brain and, and the accountant inside, right? So that's the, the financial calculus has to make sense to spend that extra time with the patient talking about medication adherence, that not being seen as a waste of revenue, waste of time. The second thing has got to be, we've got to appeal to the heart, right? The elephant, we've got to appeal to the, the reason why people entered medicine in the first place to save lives. And here is the way you can do it. 
and think about the tragedy that's a stroke, that's a heart attack, that's kidney failure. Think about how you feel when one of your patients who you know has a stroke and you hear about it, and then you realize with that sinking dread in your stomach that they had you know, blood pressure reading of 160 over 111 the last time you saw them, you didn't do anything about it, you didn't change their medications, and they didn't come back in 30 days, and you lost track of it, and then the next thing you hear about, they had a stroke. How does that feel, right? Feeling is the second. And then the third is paving the road, right? Making it easier so that the, the easiest thing to do is the right thing to do, that we overcome clinical inertia, that their practice workflows around calling in patients with high blood pressure who've been lost to follow up. And measuring blood pressure religiously and, and, and changing therapy if it's not working, then tracking medication adherence and doing all those things around the clinical encounter. It's not, it's everyone in the practice being engaged, not just the physician at the point of care. So rider, elephant, and road, all three have to be tapped. Well, Dr. Farzad Mustasharian, that was a extremely clear why about blood pressure, and we'll spend the rest of the show talking about the how. Thank you. Thanks so much. We're now glad to be joined by a repeat guest, Dr. Keisha Davis. Dr. Davis is a family physician and Allidade's Vice President of Health Equity. Welcome back, Keisha. Thanks, glad to be here. You were leading part of our efforts on hypertension. So we'd love to talk to you about what Allidade's doing to tackle it. But let's talk a little bit about the statistics. What, what's going on in America and at Allidade with high blood pressure? Sure, I've, as you've already heard, hypertension in America is a huge phenomenon. The single highest area where we can improve lives is to improve our hypertension control. Almost one in four Americans live with hypertension and very few of them have it under control. When you look out across your patient panel, up to four in 10 of your patients might be suffering from uncontrolled hypertension. And the healthcare costs are really astronomical. Over $131 billion every year is spent related to hypertension. And we know not only is hypertension impactful across the country, we also know that there is a disparity in hypertension in Black Americans. And we see hypertension being more common in Black Americans than any other racial or ethnic group. Hypertension in Black Americans develops at younger ages, and those differences start even as early as age 30. We see higher incidence of stroke, high blood pressure-related cardiovascular disease, as well as end-stage renal disease. And the mortality rates are two and a half to three times higher in Black Americans, and that spans the rural-urban divide and also spans socioeconomic status. Why is hypertension such a big issue? You know, if it's known to be a problem, if it's known to have such serious health outcomes, why, why is it so poorly controlled? You know, hypertension is often referred to as the silent killer um, because people often feel fine uh, when their blood pressure is high. And so it's easy to pass it by or, or not pay attention to it, I think, on the patient side. And I think even on the medical side as physicians, you know, hypertension is one of the things that's really core to what we do. It's one of the first things that we learn how to treat when we're in medical school and residency. But at the same time, because patients often feel so well, even when their blood pressure is well controlled, uh, it's easy for it to get put on the back burner. And a patient might come in with a long list of things that they are concerned about or worried about, and blood pressure may not be on the list. And it's easy for it to get passed aside because of that cold, because of that stubbed toe. I think another reason is that um, sometimes uh, we as doctors don't trust the data or, uh, you know, we don't trust that blood pressure reading if it was done hastily. And so the patient may come in and the blood pressure is high and we might write it off because they, 
oh, they ran up the stairs or they are stressed out or, you know, they're worried or their blood pressure is always high in the doctor's office. And I would say, you know, for those patients, I would challenge us to not uh, write it off and to really think about, okay, well, let's let them sit and rest a little bit and check that blood pressure again. Or if their blood pressure is always high in the office, let's follow up with them outside of the office, you know, encourage them to get a blood pressure cuff at home, start checking and monitoring those blood pressures to really get a handle on, on um, how, how well their blood pressure is controlled or not controlled. We can bring to the doctors who work with Allidade the information that blood pressure is serious, that it's a real problem, but it's a lot easier to tell somebody about a problem than to help them with it. What are we bringing to the table to deal with hypertension? Yeah, you know, I think it's so important, you know, we don't necessarily need to tell docs how to treat hypertension. There's lots of guidelines out there, but what I think docs do sometimes need help with is finding those patients that are falling through the cracks. Um, and I know I'll, I will say myself that I am guilty of this. Again, that patient comes in with a long list of problems and nobody flagged for me that that blood pressure was high and that's you know, the end of the day and I'm now charting that note and then I see, oh my goodness, their blood pressure was high. I didn't even recognize it. And so, one, looking at what are those systems you have in place in your office to, to find those patients um, and make sure before they leave, their blood pressure is checked again. Then there's the patient that you saw them, you realized their blood pressure was high. You know, maybe you've made some adjustments in their medications and said, come back in a couple of weeks or come back in a month. And now it's several months later and you're seeing them back in the office and you say, what happened here? You know, why didn't they come in? And that person fell through the cracks. And we don't have a good way previously to find that person and make sure that they get wrapped into care. And so some of the things that we have done in the app to make that a little bit easier. The first is a blood pressure tag. So in the Allidate app, you know, which is our tool where you can really get information on patients that have contracted with us through Allidate, in the app on the daily huddle, you'll now notice blood pressure tags. So a BP mod, BP MOD, and BPSEV for blood pressure severe. And those correlate to the last blood pressure reading that we have on file was elevated for that patient. So BP mod indicates that blood pressure was 140 to 159 systolic over 90 to 99 uh, diastolic. And the blood pressure severe indicates greater than 160 over greater than 100. And so you'll now see a tag on the daily huddle indicating that the last time they were in, their blood pressure was high. But the thought being, okay, let's address that blood pressure when they're in the office today. They are here, let's find them, let's make sure that that blood pressure doesn't fall through the cracks. In addition, because we have those tags, you can also run a report and find those patients that may have fallen through the cracks. So using Population Explorer, which is another tool within the app, you can choose uncontrolled hypertension. So there's a quick pick for hypertension and it will give you all of your patients with a blood pressure moderate or severe. And then you can sort that list and look and see, oh, Mrs. Jones, she was in, you know, three months ago, her blood pressure was 165 over 105. What happened to her? And then you can, you know, look in the EHR and say, oh, she had an appointment, but she never followed up. Or, you know, she walked out of the office and we didn't get her in or what else do we need to do? Maybe she didn't get her medications. And so there's workflows there and resources to really find and surface those patients who maybe, you know, maybe have fallen through the cracks. We're using a, a mnemonic to kind of help us remember that and, you know, calling it treating blood pressure 247 or 24-7. And so really encouraging, 
you know, when a patient comes in and their blood pressure is severe and you've sat them down and let them rest and checked it again, and it's still high, it's still, you know, greater than 160 over 100, we'd like to see them back in two weeks. That's what the guidelines say, the American Heart Association guidelines. And to recognize this is different than how some of us were taught. So really, can we get them back in two weeks? Four, hypertension treatment is for everyone. This is really a team affair. You know, hypertension control doesn't just rest on the backs of the docs and nurse practitioners and PAs who are caring for those patients. It's really how are the medical assistants getting involved? How are the nursing staff getting involved? How is the front desk getting involved? You know, when that patient has seen the doc and is checking out at the front desk, your blood pressure is high and the doc said, come back in three months, you know, encourage the front desk to reach out and say, oh, the doc said three months, but I see that your blood pressure was still high. Let's get you back in two weeks to, to do a blood pressure check. And maybe that's to meet with the nurse even or a medical assistant for a blood pressure check. And then the last is seven. And we're really encouraging doing a seven-day follow-up. Again, when that patient, everything's been done to try and get their blood pressure down, they've rested and repeated the blood pressure, and it's still high, and they're walking out of the office with a, with a severely elevated blood pressure, can we get them a follow-up? in seven days, and not necessarily coming in the office, but having somebody call and reach out to them. Do they have a blood pressure cuff at home? Have they checked their blood pressures? Are they feeling okay? Are they having any problems with the medications that they're taking? Do they have that follow-up visit scheduled, that two-week follow-up visit scheduled so that they can get back in and make sure that everything is okay? And so I'll just run through, through those again, 247, two-week follow-up, Blood pressure control is for everyone and seven-day follow-up outreach to make sure that folks aren't falling through the cracks. So it sounds like there's a few hypotheses there. One is that physicians uh, and other healthcare providers know how to treat blood pressure, but they don't always know who to treat if the, the data is not being brought to their attention. Um, that sometimes patients aren't being seen frequently enough when this is being addressed uh, and that team-based care is a better way to do it. Uh, of those hypotheses, How's it proving out? Is it is it working? Yeah, you know, especially on the first point of the, you know, these folks are falling through the cracks. We have been hearing some fantastic stories about doctors now that they're seeing the list who are just surprised. You know, we had one doc and we showed him the list of 30-day um, follow-up and he got mad, rightfully so. And in two weeks, he had his staff call all of the patients on the list and they improved their 30-day follow-up rate by 80% in just a couple of weeks, which is just amazing. You know, another thing that we've been finding are there are patients on that list that didn't have a diagnosis of hypertension. And so practices are surprised. And so again, because the focus wasn't on hypertension, that patient came in for, you know, a stubbed toe, and then they came in for a cold, and then they came in for a stomach ache, and their blood pressure was high each of those times, but it was chalked up to something else each time. But when they look over the aggregate, they're like, oh, this, this person does have hypertension and we've been missing it because we were focusing on other things. So, you know, keeping folks from falling through the cracks there has really already starting to show, show some improvement. The team-based care is also really important. One of our docs has shown that when everybody on the team understands and gets involved and invested in hypertension or other and any other preventive care work for that matter, it really helps them feel like they are making a difference for that patient and brings them closer to the work and gives them satisfaction too. So they are involved. They're not going to let that patient walk out of the door. They feel invested and involved in the care. Um, and patients really appreciate that too. 
Dr. Keisha Davis. Thanks, as always, for joining the ACO Show. Thanks again, Dr. Israel. Always a pleasure. I'm now joined by Dr. Keith Winfrey, uh, who is a specialist in internal medicine and preventive medicine and the chief medical officer at Noella Community Health in New Orleans. Welcome, Dr. Winfrey. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. When I've asked around about who's doing good work in blood pressure, a couple different people mentioned your health center and you. How have you been approaching hypertension in your practice? Uh, we approach hypertension like many of the other chronic diseases in the area, uh, more of a team-based approach. We have uh, adopted the patient-centered medical home model for our way of delivering care. And so the way we address hypertension is much like the other chronic diseases in that we have the primary provider, we have medical assistants, and a team of care coordinators that work with them. Allidate has recently introduced uh, blood pressure tags in the app. The app is the population health platform that we put in front of physicians. Yes. Uh, uh, and it indicates when patients may need a little extra attention on their blood pressure. How have you used that in your practice? Uh, it's worked great. And that's allowed our care coordinators to really be more efficient when they're uh, searching out hypertension patients, particularly those involved with the ACO that we're part of. It allows them to directly identify patients that need more of their time and attention. And then they've been able to kind of prioritize them and getting them in to uh, meet with their providers. Given the outreach that you're doing, can you say any more about what kind of results you've been seeing? Yes, yeah, so the results have been positive. Uh, we're, we're at one, being able to quickly identify patients who are falling within that range, uh, 160 over 100 or uh, the extreme uh, blood pressure range. And so it's allowed our care coordinator to spend more time with them, ensuring that they are uh, using their home uh, blood pressure monitor correctly, that they're getting that data back to our staff and then getting back in front of our, our providers. And so we have noticed that uh, she's been able to get those patients in a lot faster than we've done in the past. That's great. So she uses the Allidate app, if I understand correctly, to generate a list of patients who need outreach? She does, absolutely. Uh, and she uses that list to kind of prioritize her work. And then from there, uh, really work to get those patients in the office in front of their providers. What kind of learnings have there been about patients whose blood pressure were out of control? You know, any surprises once patients were contacted? Uh, surprisingly, no. I mean, the patient's been very uh, open to, to coming back in and, and having an address. Uh, many patients report that, you know, they get nervous when they come in to see their providers. And so they believe as a white coat syndrome effect. And so we just ensure that all the patients have a home automated blood pressure, one that's uh, been calibrated, and make sure they bring those readings with them when they come in. We have health coaches within the clinic. Uh, and so we uh, schedule these patients with our health coaches, depending on their interests and, and their blood pressure. And the health coaches are able to spend a little bit more time than our care coordinators, really delving into uh, aspects of hypertension, like uh, lifestyle modification, uh, stressors, diet, physical activity, uh, to really help round out their, their hypertension management. And so I think that has also been helpful for us to uh, get our patients making the right choices to help improve their blood pressure. Now, before the Allidade uh, Population Health Platform put this data uh, in front of your practice, were there ways to generate sort of simple lists of which of your patients needed attention on their blood pressure? Uh, there are, yes. Our QI director would run monthly reports on all of our patients, uh, just looking at our overall hypertension control rates. And from there, he would uh, provide those lists to um, our team to, to work on. But prior to the Allidate work, it was really left up to our primary care teams to address, meaning the primary care provider and their own MOA. 
with the Allidate app, we're now bringing our care coordinator to focus her efforts on reaching out seven days after the visit, make sure patients are getting back in within 30 days, and that they're plugged in with the health coach uh, if they haven't done so already. Well, great. Dr. Keith Winfrey, glad you're taking such good care of your patients and glad we can be some small part of it. Great. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Brittany Barnes and also by the irreplaceable Hannah Posner. Though after this show, we have to somehow try to replace her as she moves on to the next phase of her career. Thank you, Hannah. The ACO show will be taking a short break and we will be back in the fall with a new season of great shows about all the things in value-based healthcare. From all of us, we wish you a great summer.